0: Turn, if you will, to 1 Samuel 18, and we're going to take a little sidestep from the life of David because this is so important. And in 1 Samuel 18, if you've been listening to the Life of David series, we've come down to David killing Goliath, and that's where we pick up in 1 Samuel 18. A few things happen back up in chapter 17, but we're just going to go right into chapter 18 and talk about our loyalty to royalty. Brother Jim, that's almost as good as an attitude of gratitude. Our loyalty to royalty. Because you remember in this series we've been preaching, we draw from David's victory. Not only did he defeat Goliath and deliver the nation, he is the true king. You remember that? Saul was deposed. The little 18 year old fellow that goes out on the battlefield that nobody knows he is the king, except the Lord and Samuel. He is the true king of Israel. Not Saul. Saul's a coward hiding and won't go fight Goliath. So understand what goes on here in chapter 18 is Jonathan's loyalty to the true king. And he doesn't even really know that he's the true king. As a matter of fact, at this point, Jonathan probably still thinks in some way, maybe I'm the heir because he's the son of Saul. But we're going to see Jonathan's loyalty to royalty here in verse 1. And it came to pass when... He had made an end of speaking unto Saul. That's David. That the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Verse 3. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David in his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. What I want to speak to you about has to do with Jonathan loving David as his own soul. This is said another way in other places. Jesus described this as loving your neighbor as your own self. In the Old Testament, we see here Jonathan saying, he lo- it says of Jonathan that he loved David as his own soul. That's another way to say He loved David as his own self. So I want to talk to you about that. I think it is one of the most important subjects that we could digest, not only as individuals and families and our workplaces, and especially in church. Now, this phrase, loving your neighbor as your own self, which is, I'm telling you, is your expression of your loyalty to royalty. That's what Jonathan was doing, remember? Remember? He was expressing his loyalty to the royal one, David, the king. And I'm going to show you a verse of scripture that I hope it will strike you as hard as it hit me. That this is an expression of loyalty. How loyal are you to the king? That's what this means. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Do you love your neighbor as your own soul? there's several places in the word of God and I kind of broke them down into about seven categories. I combined some of the new Testament teachings on this in the gospels where Jesus speaks of this, this loyalty to royalty. Jesus speaks of this several times. And some of those are the same times. Like in Mark, it's the same account over in Matthew. So I've basically broken it down to about seven instances in the word of God that directly address loving your neighbor as yourself. That's a lot You understand? You know, we only read about predestination in the Word of God three, four times. Seven times the Lord addresses in the Holy Script, He addresses loving your neighbor as yourself. And I'll tell you, it's something that's kind of hard to wrap your mind around. You know, there's been a lot of debates among commentators and theologians. Well, what does that exactly mean? Some will say this, some will say that. You know, and there's just a little bit of confusion. And you'll see from the questions that Jesus is asked by others. They're confused about it too. So let's hopefully go away here today not being confused about this at all. Because we find the beautiful example acted out in the actions of Jonathan when he expressed his loyalty to the true king. And maybe you'll go away from here today with a new attitude, a new lease on life, on how can I express my loyalty to my king, my loyalty to royalty. The first place that this phrase occurs is in Leviticus 19. And I'd like for you to turn there. And I'm going to read you the verse, and then we're going to back up, and I'm going to show you from the Word of God how practical this teaching is about loving your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19. We don't teach out of Leviticus that much. I can only think of a few times through the years. So we get to go to maybe a new book in a preaching way here this morning. Leviticus 19, and let's look at verse 18. Listen to what he says. We want the second half of the verse, but let's read it all. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. That's like the Lord saying amen to himself. Notice he says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So this was not anything new in the New Testament when Jesus comes along teaching it. This was not anything new to Jonathan whenever he loved his neighbor, David, as his own soul. Now I want to back up a few verses and I want you to read this in the context because I believe that verse 18 there is the culmination of a consistent teaching over several verses about what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're following along, we're going to read it in the context of the teaching of how to love your neighbor as yourself. Now let's begin reading in verse 9 because I believe this is where it starts. Here he teaches them about farming. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land... Thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest, and thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and stranger. I am the Lord your God. You see, now how in the world is this loving your neighbor as yourself? Well, just picture in your mind that you're the poor neighbor, and you're the stranger. And what do you need as a poor neighbor who doesn't have a crop, or the crop didn't grow? You're going to starve, right? So in this instance, the Lord is teaching the farmers, which most of them were farmers, by the way, to love your neighbor as yourself is to make provision for your poor neighbor. Now, this is not a sluggard or a lazy person, you know, who's draining the government with money that's coming in, you know, illicitly and abusing the system. There was no system like that. The Lord didn't have welfare in his kingdom, in his nation. He had workfare, so if you left the corners of your field and you left the gleanings of your grapes on your vines, the poor were allowed legally to come and work for that. You get that? And if you were poor, you could have no better love expressed to you as a neighbor than your neighbors leaves that for you. So this is teaching how to love your neighbor as yourself. Some of the commentators have really got off track about this and they say, Well, it means to give your neighbor whatever you want. Nothing could be further from the truth. You see, your neighbor might not want what you want. You understand that? It's not about giving your neighbor what you want. It's about understanding what your neighbor's need is. And if that were you, what would you want or need? You get that? It's a big difference. It's the difference between, you know, me as a husband looking at my wife and saying, I'm going to love her as myself. And you know, I can think of nothing better that I would want than a brand new 20 gauge shotgun. And so, to love my beautiful wife as myself, I'm going to buy that for her for her birthday. And she's going to be so happy because I'm fulfilling the law of God. She's not going to be happy. That's not what it means. It is not using the standard of what you want or need, it is using the standard of what your neighbor wants or needs. You say, well, wait a minute, Brother Tim, that means I'm going to have to know my neighbor. Welcome to the kingdom. Welcome to the kingdom of God. are going to have to get out of your comfort zone and know your neighbor. What are my neighbor's needs? Let me say this. In generations to come, young folks, I anticipate that there are many under the sound of my voice who will, years down the road, hundred years from now, even maybe your children or grandchildren, will, if the Lord carries, they'll call a man to preach and serve this congregation. You better hope that that man understands what this means to look to the needs of the people. What's going on with the people? Not what he needs, but what the people need. So that's what this is teaching. The royal law, the law of the kingdom, the law of the master teaches that you consider what your neighbor needs, not what you need. And leave the gleanings, leave the grapes, leave the wheat, leave the corn. If You, you can see this beautifully played out in the book of Ruth, Right where Boaz instructed his men, drop some for her, let Ruth pick up, intentionally drop some for her and let her pick it up. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. Now watch this, verse 11. You shall not steal. So would you want anybody to steal from you? Then love your neighbor as yourself and don't steal from your neighbor. Make sense? Neither deal falsely. Would you want somebody to deal falsely with you? Would you want somebody to lie to you? Would you want someone to enter into a business deal in verse 12 and swear falsely and betray you or double cross you? Then love your neighbor as yourself. You get that? Verse 13, thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. Would you want somebody to break into your house and rob you at gunpoint? I don't think so. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night. If I do some work for you, I expect to be paid. You feel the same way. If you do work for me, you expect to be paid. Why would you withhold that? That's loving your neighbor as yourself. Thou shalt not curse the deaf. Well, this is good right here because this gets into mockery. Thou shalt not curse the deaf. You would not be loving your deaf neighbor as yourself if you knew he was deaf and you got up in his ear and you said, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And that's funny. You know, he can't even hear me. I can cuss him out and he can't even hear me. Well, take that one step further. You know, maybe somebody cusses them out when they're not around. Their neighbor's deaf because they're not there. You understand that? Or what about this? Put a stumbling block before the blind. How cruel is that? If you were blind and you're trying to make your way around and you can't see and you're tapping a cane along trying to see, the last thing that you want is a stumbling block in front of you to trip and fall, right? You're not treating your neighbor as yourself if you put a stumbling block in front of the blind. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. Right? You would not want to be mistreated or treated inequitably if you were a neighbor, right? So don't do that to your neighbor. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. You would not want to have tales and lies and gossip told upon you, so don't do it among my people. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. Are y'all getting this? Very practical, very specific. I don't know why the commentators that I've read through the years didn't hit on this right here. I've never read anything about it. But this is loving your neighbor as yourself. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. That right there teaches that if you see something that's coming to your neighbor, something that is going to affect them, something that might hurt them, you're not just going to stand back, well, I have no responsibility you know, to in- intervene here. I just don't really care. The responsibility of the child of God is to reach out and love their neighbor as theirself, and warn them. Say, watch out, this is coming. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. How about that? To bear a grudge against a neighbor. And when I say neighbor, understand I'm talking about church friend neighbors. I'm talking about community neighbors. I'm talking about maybe work neighbors. <laughs> Thou shalt not bear a grudge in your heart to not bear a grudge against that person because they've hurt you or you don't agree with them or whatever. That is not loving your neighbor as yourself. You know why? Because you wouldn't want anybody to bear a grudge against you, would you? And if you sit there and you say, well, I don't really care. We need to talk. That's a whole other issue that you're dealing with there in your heart. And then he says, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's amazing. And in the 34th verse, it says, if the stranger comes among you, that's the second place, then you should love them as yourself. You know, I tell you, that really violated what the Pharisees got into where they were trying to distinguish. But we can love our own people, but we don't have to love these other nations over here. See, they missed that right there. In verse 34, it says, if a stranger comes among you, love him as you would love yourself. I think it's interesting to point out right here that it does not say to love them more than yourself. You notice that? Because I think that's almost impossible for a child of God. You know, to love somebody more than yourself. He says to love them as yourself. And your standard to loving someone as yourself is not what you want or need, but it's what they want or need. I tell you, that makes you really sensitive to the needs of others, does it not? I'm just going to mention these to you. I'll be happy to give you these these locations later. But over in the book of Matthew, the 22nd chapter in verse 35, and I believe this is also found in Luke, the 10th chapter, where the account of the Good Samaritan is given. They come to Jesus and they say, what are the greatest commandments? And Jesus says to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, all thy mind, all thy might. He lists that first. And then he says the second commandment is to love thy neighbor as thyself. Of of all the commandments. Now, they weren't just talking about, I don't think, the Ten Commandments. There's many commandments in the Word of God. I just went through a bunch of those commandments that that are contained within the framework of the Ten Commandments. But they're very specific, are they not? So he says... The two greatest commandments, the second one that he names, is to love thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus goes on to say, on these two commandments, including loving your neighbor as yourself, hang all the law and the prophets. That's major, is it not? That is major. You want to know about loyalty in the kingdom. You want to know about being loyal to the royal one, to the king of kings and lord of lords. He says, hang everything in the law and the prophets on these two commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, thy heart, thy mind, and thy strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now look, you notice how one of those commandments puts all of the emphasis on the Lord, right? Love the Lord thy God. Okay, that's sort of like looking up, isn't it? Look up and see the Lord. I love you, Lord. I love everything about you, Lord. But the second commandment doesn't look up, does it? It looks around you, doesn't it? He says, to love thy neighbor as thyself. So I submit to you that the expression of a child of God and how much they love the Lord has to do with their loyalty to Him. And that comes out as loving your neighbor as yourself. Well, Jesus did it, didn't He? He is the ultimate expression. He's the ultimate neighbor. He is the ultimate neighbor. He said, hang all the law and the prophets on these two things. All right, very quickly. Mark, the 12th chapter, He says in regard to those two commandments, one being loving your neighbor as yourself, he says there's none other commandments greater. Romans the 13th chapter, which by the way I think is somewhat of a restatement of the book of Leviticus where it talks about this. Romans the 13th chapter, he says, if there's anything left for me to tell you, it's briefly comprehended in this one thing, this one phrase, to love thy neighbor as thyself. And in Galatians the 5th chapter, the Apostle Paul says in verse 14, all the law is fulfilled in one word. And you guessed it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So, where do we get the loyalty part and the royalty part? James, the second chapter, and the eighth verse. He says, All the royal law is fulfilled in this. Did you catch that? In James 2 and 8, he says, The royal law, royalty is a king. Are you with me? What did Jonathan do with David? He expressed his loyalty to the king. What do we do when we love our neighbor as ourselves? We express our loyalty to the king. It's the royal law. That word royal right there in the Greek is basilikos. If maybe you've heard of the basilica. And it means to belong to the sovereign. And generally it would mean like land or possessions or uh, people in, his, in the king's court or whatever. But in this circumstance... He is telling us that the law of loving your neighbor as yourself is the royal law that belongs to the sovereign. He he fulfilled it, did he not? Think about if you go back and you study the life of Jesus and the Gospels and the people that he interacted with that nobody else would interact with and the needs that he met that nobody else would touch. You know, the Pharisees came to him while he was eating in the house of Matthew, the publican, and all the publicans and the sinners were gathered there. And they came and they said to the, to the disciples, why does your master eat with sinners? <laughs> they could not fathom why Jesus would do that. It's because he was fulfilling the royal law, loving his neighbors as himself. Now, the mechanics of this, the mechanics of loving your neighbor as yourself is in Matthew 7 and 12 where it says, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. There he tells us again, hang all the law and the prophets on these two commandments, one of which is loving your neighbors yourself. And here he says, this is the law and the prophets. This is what they, that you may know as the golden rule. All things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to men. And as I told you, the outworking of that is not well, what do I want The outworking of that is, what are the needs of that person? So I think this person would want this because I want this. That's not the standard. The standard is, what are the needs of this person and what can I do for them? Those are the mechanics. And back to the book of 1 Samuel 18, you say, well, I just don't know if I can do this. Let me tell you something. First of all, Christ did it. (laughs) So you follow the example of Christ. second of all, Jonathan did it. And Jonathan, he was a rebel. He was a rebel. He was a rebel against his parents. Now, you know, when you're young and you hear things like that, you think, oh, a rebel without a cause. That's exciting. (laughs) You know, I'll rebel against my parents. Uh, Jonathan is the anti-type of that because Jonathan was the son of Saul and he rebelled against his father so that he, as a good man, could be good friends with David, who was the king. His, His dad was losing his mind. His dad was caught up in jealousy. His father, Saul, was forbidding Jonathan. Don't you be friends with that, young man? Usually that's said in an ominous way in Like, you know, watch out for this party crowd. Watch out for these dope smokers over here. Watch out for all of this terrible stuff over here. And then the child, you know, the, the young person as we've all been, like, <laughs> listen, I can remember when I was a young person, a teen, and you know, my dad would say, you, know, you can do this, A, B, C, and D, but you can't do this. And that's all I thought about. I mean, I could do five other things. And this is good things. Go here, go there, don't go here. And that's all I thought about was the don't go here. Think about the Garden of Eden. The first transgression of loving your neighbor as yourself is found in the Garden of Eden. Genesis, the second chapter, third chapter, we find where Adam has the best neighbor that you could ever have in the history of the world. Are y'all with me? God is his neighbor. They walked with one another in the cool of the day. And one of the ways that you... Express your love towards your neighbor, towards the Lord, and fulfill the royal law in loving your neighbor as yourself is you respect the boundaries of your neighbor, right? And the Lord, the greatest neighbor that's ever lived, said, Adam, you can eat of all the fruit of the tree of the gardens. You can eat them all, except this one. He set a boundary right there. And I guarantee you that's about all that Adam thought about. (laughs) Why can't I eat of that one? And he did not respect the boundary of God. You see? In the, in the very transgression, in the dawn of time, we have a failure of someone respecting their neighbor. We have a failure of someone who did not put their neighbor's needs out front. They put their own needs out front, and they violated the law. And you want to know why Brother Tim today, when his dad, or years ago when his dad was saying, now you can do this, this, and this, but you can't do that, or you can't go there. You want to know why that's all I thought about, and why can't I go there? It looks like a great place. You know, maybe I, I don't understand. Maybe dad's lost his mind. Maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about. Maybe he's never been there. <laughs> You know why I I thought that way? I don't think that way anymore, praise God. I trained my mind away from it. But it's because of what Adam did. Adam had all of the garden. He had all of this that he could enjoy. And what did he think about? He thought about the one place that he was not supposed to eat of the fruit. And that's why we're in this mess today. Adam failed to love his neighbor as himself, or he would have respected what his neighbor, God, had told him. Jonathan loved David as his own soul. He gave up all that he had that was important to him for his neighbor. Gave up his robe, his sword, his bow. Now I want to close with a couple of examples. I want you to understand that loving your neighbor as yourself is not a two-way street. Now it can be. It can develop into a two-way street, but it is not a two-way street. It is a one-way street. Because it doesn't matter... If you like the neighbor, or if you agree with the neighbor, or if you're on the same political platform as the neighbor, it doesn't matter. Those things don't matter. It's a one-way street. If you show your allegiance, you say, well, I I don't know that I can show my allegiance to my neighbor. You're not showing your allegiance to your neighbor. You're showing your allegiance to royalty whenever you fulfill the royal law, like Jonathan did. His dad uh, had been removed as king, and to his own detriment of his own life, he committed himself... To loving his neighbor as his own soul so i want you to think about your church life i'm gonna pick on the teens it's not really picking on but this seems to be something that really affects the young folks and i remember feeling awkward and like i didn't fit in and i've had this have little groups that you cling to if you love your neighbor as yourself it doesn't matter the age of the person that you interact with they could be 90 or they could be five and listen this is not just for the teens this is for any age You'll sacrifice your comfort zone and interact, why? Because you're showing your allegiance to the royal one. You'll eat, you'll visit with them, instead of just clinging to your own little group, to your own detriment, because trust me, whatever age we're talking about, it is to your own detriment. And just because you don't have anything in common with someone, so well, you know, I don't have anything in common with this person, naturally, it does not mean that you avoid them or treat them in an unfair or avoiding type way. To love your neighbor as yourself means that you will interact with anyone of any age. When you're at church, you know, it's a special time. You know, there may be times to interact in little groups here or little groups there or whatever. When you're at church, that is your once a week opportunity to interact and fellowship with people of all ages and people that you don't have anything in common with. And how many people did Jesus interact with that he didn't have anything in common with? I mean, think about it. He was perfect. Everybody that came to him was a sinner. We're not that way. You know, I thought maybe we need to have some love your neighbor as yourself sessions. You know, sit down and just, this is how this works. You know, this is how you interact, guys. This is how you do this. You see, that would benefit us all regardless of our age. Now, as I close, I'm going to leave you with this. What about me as your pastor? You say, well, you're accepted from that, right, Brother Tim? I mean, we can just treat you any way we want to, right? Well, in one way, yeah, I guess you can. I can take it. I'm tough. But if you're loving one another as yourself and you're fulfilling the royal law, and you know what my needs are, you get that? It's not about what you want. It's about what your neighbor wants. So put me in that position for just a moment. What are my needs as your pastor? I'm not talking about giving money. You say, well, I wonder what time Brother Tim would like for me to be here. If you're fulfilling the royal law and you're loving your neighbor pastor as yourself, you know what? You'll be here at 1030. Is that a little too touchy? See, it's not about me. See, a lot of preachers get mad and they say, well, I'm going to fuss at my congregation about bus and such. I'm never going to fuss at you about something like that. I'm going to teach you how to fulfill the royal law and show your loyalty to Jesus the King. It's not about your loyalty to me. It's about your loyalty to the King. So if you're putting me, loving me as your neighbor, what time are you going to be here? If you're loving me as your neighbor, are you going to fall off to sleep and start snoring during service while the preacher's preaching? That's very depressing, by the way. You know, I even had a guy answer a cell phone in a sermon one time years and years ago. Wasn't here. Calm down. It wasn't here. It was far away in another state that I won't even name. And I'm sitting there preaching. I felt like the Lord was blessing me. And all of a sudden I hear, and I'm thinking, surely that guy's going to turn his phone off because I got the spirit of the Lord. And all of a sudden he's going, yeah, uh uh-huh, sure. Okay, whatever. I don't think he loved me as himself. I mean, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? Don't answer the phone in the middle of the service. And I just had a chill pass through my body thinking, you know, what if Sister Tracy's sick right now and she tries to call me? What would I do? What about me as your pastor? Do you love me as you love yourself? Do you think that I want you to pray and my need for you? You see how that turns back to you? I want you to pray. I want you to love the Lord. I want you to worship. I want you to be to church on time. I want you to sing. It doesn't matter if you can't sing good just make a joyful noise that's what the Lord says in the book of Psalms make a joyful noise if you croak like a bullfrog and you're praising God who cares this is not about me but I'm just trying to make the point to you to fulfill the royal law to show your loyalty to royalty loving your neighbor as yourself is your pledge of allegiance to the king Jonathan fulfilled the royal law to his King David on an, from an earthly standpoint and we're talking about something immensely, infinitely greater than David. We're talking about the King of kings and Lord of lords. So don't go away today thinking, oh, well, Brother Tim shamed me because of this, because of that. I'm not trying to shame you. And don't say, well, I feel ashamed. Go away saying, I'm going to strive to do better to pledge my allegiance to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the way that you do that, the way you express your loyalty to the royal one is that you love your neighbor as yourself. What are the needs of your neighbor? What are my needs? What are your needs? That's the expression of the royal law. And child of grace, most of the time it's a one-way street. Most of the time it's a one-way street. But there's a few glorious times that it becomes a two-way street, but most of the time it's a one-way street. And when you get lonely and you feel like there's nobody with you just remember, in those moments is when you can look to your right, left, up, or to the side. The Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, is walking with you when you're on that one-way street. He is pleased. You know why? Because He had a lonely one-way street when He was here. A lonely one-way street. Let's show our loyalty to royalty. One of the first things that you can do is come and make a confession to the Lord and say, I want to follow the King. I want to be baptized. We get that opportunity as we stand and sing.